This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The show where journalists talk journalism. Coming to you from 2SER in Sydney on Gadigal lands of the Eora Nation, right across Australia on the Community Radio Network and directly to your device across the globe via podcast. My name's Olivia Rosenman. This week on the show we have two special guests from Venezuela. They are Elio Casale and Jesus Roldan from El Chiguire Bipolar or the Bipolar Capybara, a satirical news website that uses humour to comment on Venezuela's current political and economic situation and to promote real and independent news that won't be found in Venezuela's state-owned media. The state-owned media, in fact, most commonly broadcasts shots of Venezuela's president, Nicolas Maduro, dancing, while the majority of the country faces economic turmoil as a result of the misguided leadership, first of Hugo Chavez and now Maduro. Maduro has continued the concentration of power to the executive branch, a movement that was set in motion by Chavez. In doing so, he has further enabled the intimidation and persecution of government critics and the erosion of the human rights of all Venezuelans. According to Human Rights Watch, shortages of food and medical supplies have intensified since 2014 and protesters have been arbitrarily detained, abused and even killed by security forces. Amid this rather dire situation, El Chiguire Bipolar creates satire that provides valuable entertainment and information for Venezuelans, both at home and those living abroad. El Chiguire won the 2017 Vaclav Havel Prize for Creative Descent in May, and the team was in Sydney last week to deliver the inaugural Chaser Lecture at the University of Sydney. I spoke to Elio Casale, the founder, and Jesus Roldan, the editor of the website, via phone during a break from their rehearsals. Elio and Jesus, thank you so much for joining us on Fourth Estate. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for having us. Well, he's Elio Casale. That's me. He's one of the founders of El Chihuire. And I am Jesus Roldan. I am the current editor of the, of the site. So many of our listeners might not know what a capybara is. In fact, it is the largest living rodent in the world, and it's native to Venezuela. So why did you name your publication after it? Okay, uh, well, it was uh, like a game to pay homage to a large tradition of satirical newspapers in Venezuela that they had uh, the, uh, and in its name one animal and one crazy adjective or something like that. So we had uh, very famous newspapers like El Morrocoy Azul, the Blue Tortoise, 
el camaleón de chameleon and so we we decided to give it a try with el chihuire because we think it's a cute animal so where does that tradition originate oh that's something from ages like century 19 in the early days of newspapers yeah it's, it's, it's like a, a really old tradition so yeah. <laughs> we don't really know why <laughs> we came up to that but but we'll continue with the tradition yeah so <laughs> okay so el Cheguire bipolar is a satirical news website but it's actually quite sophisticated in the way that it tries to engage readers and direct them to independent sources of news that they won't find in the state-owned venezuelan media so can you explain to us exactly how that works yes uh, well in Venezuela, we don't have real news in, in TV networks or radio networks. So almost every 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 news piece with a very good journalistic value has to be found with independent media. So in every joke that we make, that we, that we make, we put a link to a real media so people get the, can 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 find the, the the actual news because some people doesn't even know what's happening. It's it's something like a privilege that you have in, in, in some part of the world, like in Australia, where everybody knows what's the actual news from the day. In Caracas, in Venezuela, that doesn't happen. You, you may be outside in the, in the street and you don't know what's really happening. So we try to, to, to keep very informed the people. Uh, and that's why we, we, we put the links in, in our text. And who exactly are your readers? I think our, our readers are very young people. Our main readers are 25 to, 30, to 35 years old. And I think they start, actually, they start when they are in college. It's very popular. We're very popular at colleges. And I think they, they just keep up reading it after, after they, end, they end their education and everything. I think that's, that's mostly our, our audience. And actually, it's kind of shifting because there are a lot of Venezuelans living in the country. So now we have more readers outside Venezuela, but they are actually Venezuelans. Would you say the purpose of the website is to primarily entertain people or to primarily inform them, or is it in fact both? Well, uh, at first hand, it's just entertainment, but uh, we want to believe that we are doing uh, like an informed entertainment. Uh, we are feeling a void that there, there's in our country uh, because of the political situation. Uh, but we, we don't lose uh, our main objective that entertain. Yeah, we're, we're always like comedy first. Yes, so. yes. So you guys launched the website in 2008. Is that right? Yeah. Yes. Okay, and back then, Venezuela was still under the rule of Hugo Chavez. Mm -hmm. So can you tell us a bit about the situation back then and what it was that led you to start the website and also how you've seen it change in the 10 years or so since then? Well, actually, in 2008, we came right after a big oil boom in Venezuela. So there was a lot of money, even that the economical crash happened a little bit after that, I think. There was a lot of money in Venezuela, so that gave Chavez a lot of popularity. He was a very strong politician back then. The country was pretty polarized. It was like 50-50, mm -hmm. but actually 50-50. Uh, I think that was like the main, the, the, the main environment in Venezuela by that time. Uh, but Chavez was always showing this 
uh, authoritarian nuances. <laughs> <laughs> And that changed a lot with Nicolas Maduro. With Nicolas Maduro, he went full dictatorship. Yeah, almost because he is not as smart or charismatic as Chavez, but also because he doesn't have uh, the same amount of money that Chavez handled. Nor the popularity. Mm -hmm. And what exactly is the deal with Maduro's dancing? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know who says that he can dance because he did it very very bad for yeah, Venezuela. For, for, for Venezuelan Venezuela standards, standards, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, the man likes to dance. Uh, and, I th- and I think it became, it became kind of a cruel game for him because he started doing the dancing stunt like when we were in our darkest time. So he, I think he noticed that people got really mad at him if he dances after a big tragedy. And that's something that he do. Now, now mm-hmm. when there is a big tragedy in Venezuela, he usually do a broadcast with, with him dancing. It, I know it's so, it's, it sounds very evil, <laughs> and probably it is, and it's like that, actually. It, it sounds like something that a, a character in a cartoon would do, but, but, but that's for real. Yeah, like Pinky and the Brain <laughs> stuff. <laughs> so as we said, the majority of the media is state-owned, and journalists who've been caught reporting news that is critical of the government have been dealt with pretty harshly. Some have been beaten, arbitrarily detained. I just wonder, considering that censorship of the media and the pretty intense repression of government critics, is Maduro and his administration aware of what you're doing? And if they are, why do you think you guys haven't well, been Well, I shut think down? he... The government knows about El mm-hmm. they, 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 For sure they know it. But I think that I think that we are not a big of a threat because there are like bigger fishes to fry. There are like big journalists that are more, I think, have a broader audience maybe, mm-hmm. and, and 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 we are not. I, I think it also looks very bad to crack down onto onto comedians, so they try to avoid it. Also, also they are they are kind of a, they are kind of elegant in the way that they crack down on on, on people and journalism. In, in in 2007, they shut down a major TV channel, a public, not a public one, a private one, but but network TV nationwide, mm-hmm. and it had a big backlash on them. So they changed their their ways their ways to 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 crack down on media. They 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 use legal ways. They 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 buy the newspapers. They buy the the network TV channels. They 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 do it in in in, in a more elegant way. Yeah, more subtle ways. Yeah, and that's why why I think that we don't enter in. We're not into that. But actually, in early this month, the National Assembly, which is like a parallel version of the of the Congress in Venezuela, uh, they they launch they they created a anti-speech anti-hate law, anti-hate law. law, and that's very broad. It's very very vague. What Hades, and I think it's very aimed toward the digital media right now. Yeah. Right, okay, so you mentioned digital media, and I want to talk a little bit about the internet in Venezuela, because I think it is some of the slowest internet in Latin America, is that right? The world. Oh, in the world. 
Yeah, yeah, it's it's really, it's really, really, really slow. It's quite funny because here in Australia they come, <laughs> they, they, they complain a lot about the internet speed, and no, you you know nothing about how are, slow internet. <laughs> we are like in Shangri La of the internet. <laughs> <laughs> really, it's really, it's really, it's really slow. Even I know it may sound weird, but it was in Chavez' mm, political guideline to to disconnect Venezuela from from the internet to completely shut it down. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. There, there is, a, there is a plan called like the. It's called something like the Fatherland Plan that was made by Chavez, and one specific point is to isolate Venezuela from the from the outside world. Outside world in in the terms of, of the internet. So it's not something that that's happening by accident. Mm-hmm. They are they are they are actively trying to slow down the internet so people cannot have that access. All if it 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 come to the extent that almost almost everybody have internet through a state owned company, and even the private companies that that, that offer internet have to go through the, the backbone of this state the state owned company. So it's it's very it's it's very it, it was thought yeah, mm-hmm. that that didn't happen by accident. It's a master plan yeah. behind that. Okay, so that's interesting, though, because it's a different way to censor the internet compared to other repressive regimes, say, in China, where they just drastically limit the websites that people can visit. Yeah. Why do you think they've gone for this method of slowing it down? Because while it's restrictive, it doesn't actually completely block stuff. Yeah, well, I think that uh, modern days uh, dictatorships are more uh, self-image aware. They know that... uh, Going in the classical dictator ways, uh, it's it's it will ensure them a backlash, international backlash. So they they are refining their dictators' ways. They are doing more subtle work. Um, I think that's the reason why. Because, uh, for example, in Latin America, we had a long-standing tradition of military dictatorships, and they were like very strong men uh, doing like disappearances and extrajudicial killings. And that's, I think in today's world, that kind of behavior will not be easily tolerated. Yeah, and actually in, well, everybody knows about the, 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 the censorship in internet in China and everything like that. But it, it takes us like two minutes to explain how the censorship of internet works in Venezuela, and that's a victory for them because it's so complicated to exp- to, to, to explain that that's, that that gives you the sense of how subtle it is. Okay, so in preparation for this interview, I read up on some recent news in Venezuela, and I've got to say that some of the headlines I read wouldn't have seemed out of place on your website, in fact. So I read about Maduro's latest plan to address food shortages, which is called Plan Rabbit. Of course, before they actually embark on that plan, it's going to involve a huge publicity campaign to convince Venezuelans to eat rabbits because they have no tradition Mm -hmm. of eating rabbits. Um, I read just recently that Venezuelan armed forces have been warned to avoid being out at night yes. because it's too dangerous, yes. which is crazy because isn't that their job? <laughs> so does the fact that a lot of what is going on is, quite frankly, a little absurd, does that make it easier or harder to make satirical news? Well, I think for me, in my personal case, I, I take that as a motivation to keep working. 
I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. For me, I think it's harder because, <laughs> you know, I, I find it way easier to make a funny headline about a series. As about a series. Yeah. It's re- usually we take it, it takes us way longer to, to make a joke about a funny headline. Yeah. So it, I, I, I would prefer to <laughs> a more serious environment. Yeah, but that's, <laughs> that's a hand that was dealt to us. So yeah. we have to dance to that tune. <laughs> So are you guys aware of the US TV series Veep? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah right. So Julia Louis-Dreyfus, who plays the vice president and then the president in that show, she these days says that when they started the show, it was purely satire, but now more and more it's seeming like solemn documentary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we, I, we, we all say, we, we, sorry, we've always said that, that Venezuela is more like Veep and less than House of Cards. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Okay, so let's talk about the US, though, because there's an interesting parallel, right? We see many headlines that could be satire as well. The president tweets nonsense in the middle of the night or just recently decides to call a senator Pocahontas in front of a bunch of Native Americans. What do you guys think when you look at the US right now? Well, uh, obviously Trump it's, uh, fits the the description of this modern authoritarian regimes because he is so full of himself and he's like egomaniacal uh, and bigger than life personality. But the, the main difference I can see between US and countries like Venezuela, and I can tell uh, uh, talk about that because I live in the States, it's like they have a sense of strong democracy, demor- democratic institutions and I think they are planting a very strong fight against Trump. The, and I don't know, he promised a lot of, of crazy stuff and it has a lot of that promises repealed. So I don't know if he, if he is going to, to, to went victorious at the end. I don't know, that's my opinion. I know he, he seems crazy because U.S. presidents tend to be more like, like more centered and more self-centered and, and rational. But I think that that's the main difference. I think they are very aware of their institutions, and it doesn't. They are not going to to fall without a big fight. For me, it's 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 kind of funny because. W- it's funny that I've seen, I've seen, I've lived like my whole life seeing Chavez when <laughs> I was a kid, and I, I can see the resemblance with in Trump. It, it's, mm-hmm. it's, he's very similar in so many ways, in more that people might find because some people see like, ah, oh, Chavez was a communist, a lefty, and a poor man, a poor man, and Trump is, is all the other way, but the populism is the same, yeah. and the authoritarianism is the same. And actually, I'm kind of worried about the United States because they've never had they they've never had a, a dictatorship in, in in the way that Europe had it and South America had it. So I think if people are not careful enough, they may yes. end up in theirs, and and that's that they have to be very careful with that. Yeah. Wow. That is not quite depressing, <laughs> so, right? Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I want to ask about your own sense of frustration and helplessness about what's happening in your country. Does that ever become overwhelming? 
Yes, for sure. Uh, I th- I, I, right now, I think it's... I, I do live in Venezuela. I live in Caracas. And the last month has been like the toughest month I ever lived in Venezuela mm-hmm. because we're starting to, to live with hyperinflation. And, and it's really crazy to see prices go up like to double in a week. And I think that when I go back, it may happen in a daily basis. So it's really, really, really tough. It, 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 sometimes you, you, you get sucked by the situation and that gets into you for sure. Yeah. People sometimes are very depressed. They, people are very, very angry. aggressive. Angry. Yeah, very angry. And, and you can blame them because, you know, the environment, uh, the environment is it's so hostile towards people that, that, that it's kind of awful. But well, that's kind of our work. Mm-hmm. We are not trying to like we're not trying to normalize the situation, but sometimes we have to work as a way of escape with humor. And and people usually are, say us that they, they tell us that uh, if we are not if Elche is such a funny thing to 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 see to to read about when you're like very stressful mm-hmm. stressed. So I think that we have like some kind of weird dude in Venezuela trying to make people laugh. And do you have hope for the future of Venezuela? I don't. I don't either. (laughs) (laughs) If you ask me like earlier this year, I would tell you that there would be a new government in by the end of this year. But that changed a lot. They did a total crackdown on democracy in about, I think it was by July, July, August. And right now, to have a change in Venezuela, it would take about, I don't know, maybe five to ten years. Yeah, I, I think uh, I tend to think of myself as a very positive and very optimistic person. But with Venezuela, uh, my <laughs> philosophy will be like keep your expectation very low, and that way the blow will be softer to to okay. digest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, that's quite depressing, but I think it's great that you can say that with what sounds like a big smile on your face. Yeah, that's us. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's a trait of Venezuelan people, actually. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we 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 think to... we think of ourselves like a very humored people, and that can that can go against you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Elio, Jesus, thank you so much for joining us on Fourth Estate and welcome to Sydney. Okay, thank you. That's it for us this week on Fourth Estate. Don't forget you can subscribe to the Fourth Estate podcast. And if you like the show, it would really help us out if you would leave us a review on whichever podcast player you use or even on Facebook. My name's Olivia Rosenman. I'll catch you next week on Fourth Estate.